0: Welcome to the Friday Men's Breakfast Podcast brought to you by the Chapel Podcast Network. In this week's lesson from the Israelites' journey in the wilderness, Max Groene reminds us that we all suffer from forgetfulness. So open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 11 and join us as we continue to learn how the journey from bondage to freedom points us to Jesus Christ. Because we're still in the same chapter, and Hunter so graciously gave context for all of Deuteronomy 11, I get to give you Hunter's context from Deuteronomy 11, which is to remind God's covenant people of his covenant promises and their covenant committee before entering the promised land. And with that, we will get into uh, my segment of Deuteronomy 11 that I get to teach, verses 13 to 32. And keep an eye out for our big idea of today which is gonna be this, that we all suffer from forgetfulness. And if you will indeed obey my commandments that I command you today to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, he will give the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the later rain that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil. And he will give grass in your fields for your livestock and you shall eat and be full. Take care lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain, and the land will yield no fruit, and you will perish quickly off the good land that the Lord is giving you. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children talking to them when you are sitting in your house and when you're walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, as long as the heavens are above the earth. For if you will be careful to do all this commandment that I command you to do, loving the Lord your God, walking in all his ways and holding fast to him, Then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. Your territory shall be from the wilderness to the Lebanon and from the river to the river Euphrates and to the Western Sea. No one shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will lay the fear of you and the dread of you on all the land that you shall tread as he promised you. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. And the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way that I am commanding you today, to go after other gods that you, that you have not known. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it, you shall set the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal, and they, and, they, and they not beyond the Jordan, west of the road, toward the going down of the sun in the land of the Canaanites who live in the Arabah opposing Gilgal beside the Oak of Morah. For you are to cross over the Jordan to go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And, will you. and when you possess it and live in it, you shall be careful to do all the statutes and the rules that I'm setting before you today. Now, if you are like me, You remember that we are in Deuteronomy, which is the second giving of the law. But if you are like me, you hear all these words and you say, there is no way that this is only the second time that I've heard this. It feels like, you know, as I was reading our text, I was like, what am I going to talk about? We've learned everything in this multiple times this year in the men's breakfast. And I skip weeks and I've heard it all. It feels like Moses has been repeating himself again and again and again. And so it finally hit me. Why does Moses need to repeat himself again and again and again? Because the Israelites keep forgetting. Because we all suffer from forgetfulness. My colleague, Claude Marshall, spoke at, um, preached this summer at the chapel, and he spoke about that we all needed a double cure, a double cure, two healings in our lives. One of what we are our circumstances or our physical ailments and one of the underlying problem that we all suffer from which is sinfulness. And I think we can slot forgetfulness right in there under sinfulness. We all suffer from sinfulness and we all suffer from forgetfulness. And as I looked at forgetfulness in scripture, I realized that it's it's a pretty key theme throughout all scripture. Um, oh, wait, I had a funny story to tell. tell it. I'm going to tell it. I did forget, but now I remember, and it's worth going back. Um, th- does anyone here listen to podcasts? That's a young man's game. Uh, podcasts, I feel like they're just exploding. Like They're everywhere. There are, there's a podcast for everything. So one of my favorite podcasts is um, one called the Fantasy Footballers. And it's these three guys that talk about fantasy football. But they can't keep themselves on topic. So they had to do a spinoff. So they went from the footballers, the fantasy footballers, to the spitballers, which is their spinoff where they just talk for like an hour and a half about nothing. It's great. It's like Seinfeld, but podcast form. (laughs) So I was listening uh, this past Monday to an episode of The Spitballers while I was um, outside going on a walk. And one, they just respond to ridiculous questions and scenarios for like an hour and a half. That's all they do. And so someone wrote into them, they said, Andy, Mike, and Jason, we need you to help us because we've got a question that has been burning in our minds for a while. When you lose a thought, where does it go? And then you know we did our, our question and answer and we talked about being three fools on stools. Let me tell you, I love these guys, they are fools. They spoke for like 20 minutes about where a thought goes when you lose it. And there are all these scenarios, they're like, is it really lost? Maybe you don't know that you lost it until you you can't find it anymore, which is like when you're dead, and then maybe you can actually re-find a thought, but then are you having the thought for the first time because you forgot that you had the thought? Or are you remembering a thought, and then is that deja vu? And they just went on and on and on and on. The story didn't really, wasn't necessary, but it was fun. <laughs> so these three guys talked about forgetfulness. Moses talks about forgetfulness. I'm up here talking about forgetfulness. That was the gist of the story. But back to the Bible, the good stuff. So I think that forgetfulness is a major theme in Scripture, and there are two different forms of forgetfulness that we see in Scripture. There is man's forgetfulness and then God's forgetfulness. Now I get it, God doesn't actually forget anything. He's perfect in all of his ways. He remembers everything that's happened and already knows all that will. But as we see in scripture that he chooses to no longer hold people accountable, he forgets. And so man's forgetfulness leads to death, but God's forgetfulness leads to salvation, leads to life. Here are some examples of this that we see in scripture. Wow, Three clicks to get there. All right, man's forgetfulness, James 1, through 25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, He will be blessed in his doing. We have a tendency to look at ourselves in the mirror of the law, a mirror of scripture that tells us what we look like. We have a tendency to see the sinfulness within ourselves and walk away and completely forget about it. We suffer from forgetfulness. And we contrast this to God's forgetfulness which we see in Isaiah 43, verse 25. I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. He forgets our sins. Forgetfulness is a major theme in scripture. And I think it's the reason that as we get into the second giving of the law, and I get it, it's a new generation of Israelites. They weren't there during the original giving of the law. But they've heard this before. They've probably heard it countless times still, yet Moses repeats it again and again and again because we suffer from forgetfulness. And so, as we look at our breakdown of the chapter that we're going through today, we're going to look at three things. We're going to take a special note and look at what is being repeated in our passage. What have we learned before what have the israelites learned before and why is it being repeated again we're going to look at the ways to remember that come from the shema and again we've looked at these before and we're going to take a deeper look at them now because if the israelites were given ways to remember and forgot then we've been given ways to remember and forget and then lastly we're going to look at the triumph that comes from remembering the triumph that was promised to the israelites if they remembered god's faithfulness and god's commandments and the triumphs that we can experience when we remember God's faithfulness and God's commandments. So the first thing that we look at that's been repeated here is the Shema. The Shema that opens in verse... No, please do not update. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, we're good. Almost got an update. I said... Remind me tomorrow, because I'll forget. (laughs) Thanks, Hunter. (laughs) So we look at the Shema, which starts in verse 13, and it says this, If you will indeed obey my commandments that I have commanded you today, to love the Lord your God, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, you shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes." You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house, when you are walking by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so we, it skips a little bit here. It went from verse 13 straight into verse 18, 19, and 20. But we see that this is almost completely mirroring the Shema that we first learned about when Hunter taught us through Deuteronomy 6. Uh oh. Okay. Deuteronomy 6. We'll cut that in post op. Um, so Deuteronomy 6 says this Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then we get right into that repetition. The Lord, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. There is repetition here. We've been given the Shema again. And the reason is this, the reason that Hunter shared last week, that there are many different ways that we can follow God, but the central one is to love him. The most central way to follow God is to love him and to remember him, to remember the ways that he's been faithful and to remember the ways that he instructs us to live. It's very simple. The other things that we see getting repeated again and again and again in our segment of Deuteronomy 11 are an explanation of the blessings and an an explanation of the curses, We have verse 14 that says he will give the rain for the land and seasons, the early rain and the later rain that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil. He will give grass in your fields for your livestock and you shall eat and be full. And then another, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. And verse 27, the blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord, your God, which I command you today. The blessings are given again and again and again throughout the wilderness, throughout the Mosaic Covenant. And again, the repetition of curses. Verse 17, Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will shut up the heavens so that there will be no rain, and the land will yield no fruit, and you will perish quickly off the good land that the Lord has given you. And the curses, and the curses, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, But turn aside from the way that I'm commanding you today to go after other gods that you have not known. We've spent a lot of time in our men's breakfast studying the blessings and the curses that God gives to the Israelites through the Mosaic Covenant. We've learned about the Mosaic Covenant that talks about why there are blessings when they follow Him and curses when they don't. We've also shared that this is in almost some ways contrasting to the new covenant made in Jesus Christ's love, that there's common grace, that there are blessings thrown on all of us, even when we do not acknowledge God. And so we look at these and we remember there's repetition here. There's repetition because it was important for the Israelites to remember. It's important for the Israelites to remember because as they followed God, as they proclaimed his name, And as they were blessed through doing so, other people would come into knowledge of who Yahweh is. Other people would see the blessings of Israel and say, I want that. Because one of us, one of any of us seen blessings and said, I'm okay, I'll pass. They say, I want that. Show me who this God is that can bless so richly. Or show me who this God is that has the power to punish when all these other gods seem empty. Even a God that punishes is a God that acts. And that is in contrast to dead idols that have no ability to bless or no ability to curse. And so we move from these repetitions into the, the understanding, or I guess the ways to remember that Moses gives. And so there are a couple of different ones. The first one that we'll talk about is by reflecting on the blessings. Next one will be looking at the physical reminders of the sign on your hand, the frontlets, the doorpost, and the gates. And then the last way to remember will be to teach them to your children. So the blessings shown, it says, He will give you rain for the, your land in its season, the early rain and the later rain, that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil. He will give grass in your fields for your livestock. You shall eat and be full. Take care lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside. I love that, um, as Hunter explained, that the rain is not just a, a blessing for them that they've never really experienced before. I think that, as Hunter explained, the rain is in direct contrast to their lives before salvation from Egypt. I think every time the Israelites saw the rain come down, they remembered being slaves in a land that had no rain, where they were still supposed to grow things. Every time the rain came down, they said, my life is better because of my salvation through God. My life is better because of the the deliverance that I've been given by God. And I think we can learn from this. All of us have had times in our lives that have been rich in our faith as we followed God. And there are blessings that come from that. Not necessarily rain that falls onto our little gardens, not necessarily new cars or new houses, because we remember what is said in Luke 14 by Jesus Christ himself. Luke 14, God said, Jesus said this, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. And Luke 14, 33, Jesus goes on to say this, So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And so again, as we look at the blessings and we say that we can reflect on the blessings to remember God's faithfulness, we understand that this is different than the prosperity gospel that is spread through America and through our world. That there are blessings that come from God, but not material blessings that come from God. Something I had to learn in college is that the Bible tells us there are a lot of things we should do and a lot of things that we should try to avoid. And I think growing up, these were just sets of rules. Do this, don't do this, do this, but not that. And it wasn't until I did a lot of the things that it said don't do and found myself in a, in a, pair, in a pit of despair that I realized it's not just to make God happy. It is to make God happy. It's not just to make God happy. It blew my mind that the God who created me knew what was good for me. It blew my mind that the God who created me knew what would hurt me. And so in college, as I spent years running from God, I found myself struggling with anxiety and depression, struggling with self-image problems. And the further I got from God and the more I got into worldliness, the farther I fell into that pit. And we see that the blessing that we receive from God, the blessing that we receive from remembering his faithfulness, the blessing that we receive from doing as he tells us to do is not that all of a sudden I turned back to God and got a brand new car, it's that I turned back to God and found myself worth as a creation and son, adopted son of our God, is that the blessing I received was that I no longer was struggling with as much depression and anxiety. There are real blessings that come from remembering God. There are real blessings that come in our lives that are just free gifts. And I think it's when we reflect on these blessings that will help us remember his faithfulness. Right now for me, It's as simple as just looking at my family. Um, A lot of my own sin in my life has come from unfaithful relationships or ungodly relationships. And so when I look at my wife, Kara, when I look at the blessing that she is to me, it reminds me of God's mercy. It reminds me of God's grace. It reminds me of the gifts that he gives me that I don't deserve. And it humbles me and it brings me back to him every single time. And I know we all can point to specific people or areas of our life and say, that is a blessing that I do not deserve. Go back to that every single day, count them, count the blessings and say, God is faithful. God is faithful and he does what he promises. I remember his faithfulness and I remember what he commands me to do in response to that faithfulness. And so I think as the Israelites looked at the rain falling on their crops, they thought, God is faithful. Let me follow him with my life. So we too can do that. A way to remember is to look at the blessings that God has given us to remember his faithfulness and live as he commands us to live. The next thing, the next way to remember is through the signs, frontlets, doorposts, and gates. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And this one that I think we see are physical reminders of spiritual truths. Physical reminders of spiritual truths. Um, Next week, if if you're going, if you call the chapel your home, next week you're going to get to watch an awesome baptism service. We're going to get to watch countless people going into the water to proclaim their faith and their desire to follow Jesus Christ with their lives. And even as Hunter and I were talking about baptism this week, um, I don't know, who was it that you quoted that says a lot of that? Was it Luke that says that? Or? I can't remember. Can't remember. <laughs> Case and points. Um, can't remember, but it, it, that baptism is this outward display of inward change or inward commitment. And so I see the same thing with these signs and frontlets, doorposts and gates. And, and Hunter taught about what these signs, frontlets, um, bindings, the sign on your hand. He taught about that when he taught about the Shema. He put some pictures up there and showed us what that looks like in Judaism and how they have used these to create physical reminders of spiritual truths. Um, And I brought some myself to share as well. So the Hebrew word for doorpost is, does anyone know what this is? A mezuzah. A mezuzah. And so inside of this mezuzah, you you can open up the cork on top, and inside of this is a little handwritten scroll. And on the handwritten scroll in Hebrew is the Shema, which is kind of some inception if you think about it. Inside this little item that I put on my door frame is a scroll that says to put an item on your door frame. I love that. Um, and so I think many of you, I think I've spoken about this. Maybe you don't all know this. So my wife, Kara, is Jewish. Um, she was raised in uh, going to church, going to a Messianic synagogue, and going to a Reformed Jewish synagogue. She was bought mitzvahed. It's part of her heritage Her mother was raised in a traditional Jewish household. And so we do have a mezuzah on our door because um, it's one of the commandments that was given to us. And so I asked her permission to share this story. But a few months ago, we got a knock on our door and it was a rabbi walking past. And this rabbi was walking neighborhoods in Williamsburg and looking for any door that had a mezuzah. And then he would walk up to the door and introduce himself. I'm a new rabbi in town. Do you go to synagogue? Would you like to? We'd love to have you back at synagogue, Um, and I thought that was one just a really awesome story of going out and sharing faith. Um, The interesting thing is the rabbi didn't really want to talk to me because I'm not Jewish, Um, but he ended up looking at the mezuzah, which it's only off our door right now because they just power washed the house and we're moving, so we didn't put it back up. But he looked at it on his way out and he said, can I check the scroll? And Kara said, sure. So he opened it up and he took some tweezers and he took the scroll out, He took it out of its little like tube inside that's supposed to keep it, you know, airtight so water doesn't get in. He looks at it and he says, um, how long have you had that? And Kara says, well, I bought it when I was in Israel years, years ago. He said, well, can I take it? And I would love to send it to an expert in New York to make sure that the scroll, that the writing inside is kosher, is what he said. And so if this is outdoors, outside of my house, it gets rained on. And so the worry is that the water might go inside the mezuzah and damage the Shema scroll inside, therefore making it void. Therefore, it's not actually following this commandment. And I love my wife. She engaged with the rabbi, she said, No, Rabbi, I think it's okay. He said, well, but if it's not kosher, I would love to replace it with a new scroll that's kosher. Some Hebrew writing of the Shema that hasn't been damaged by water. And Kara said, Rabbi, we're okay. I believe that it's Hashem that protects our house. It's Hashem that protects our house, not the scroll inside this little canister. Hashem being God. It is God that protects our house, not the little canister. And so I think that what we're learning here is there are physical reminders of spiritual truths. Do I think that I am more holy because this is on my door? No, I don't. But might I be more holy if every time I walk into my house, I look at this and say, thank you, God, for your faithfulness. Might I be more holy if every time I walk in my house, I look at this and I say, God, I want to follow you with my life. I think so. I think that is being more molded into the image of Christ. Last year at Men's Breakfast, we talked about Paul saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I think about Christ and Paul and how in every moment they were content, in every moment they, seized, they prayed without ceasing. they were constantly reaching out to God. I don't do that in my life. And so Moses tells them, have physical reminders, have physical reminders of spiritual truths that God is good, that God is faithful, that he's rescued us from Egypt, that he's rescued you and me from sin and from death. And I want to follow that with my life. And there are other ways that we can have these reminders too. Um, This is probably now one of my favorite possessions that I own. Uh, I had our last college ministry on Wednesday night, and I wept like a baby. Um, But one of the things that the college students gave me is this little notebook. And inside, as you flip through, it has pictures of students and then letters that they've written me. And I, I can't read these without just being reminded of God's faithfulness. It is so humbling to know where I've been in my life and think that God would use me in ministry at all. It's wild. He can do anything if he can do that. Um, it's so wild to read story after story of college student who said, college can be a really hard time, but I left with stronger faith than I came. It's incredible. I will read this book again and again because it is a physical reminder of God's faithfulness a physical reminder of a spiritual truth that God is in the business of rescuing. And it reminds me also of his commands that I might continue to live as he's instructed me to to live in response to that as well. And so there are so many ways that we can find and and create these physical reminders, whether it be a, a WWJD, what would Jesus do, bracelet. Some people are really into tattoos cool, if you need to get a tattoo and it reminds you to pray, I'm not going to, but you can. But there are so many different ways that we can set up physical reminders of spiritual truths, ways all around us that will remind us to pray, all around us that will remind us, God, thank you for your blessings. You're so faithful. Help me walk out as as you've commanded me to walk. And so that's what I see as the second way to remember There are physical reminders of spiritual truths. And the third way is to teach them to your children. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you're walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. I think it's easy to believe that this is no longer part of the ways to remember, but just a separate commandment. But I disagree. I think it's impossible to forget something as you're actively teaching it. In college, I, one of my majors was Spanish. And if anyone here has learned a second language, there's nothing easier to forget than a second language. The second you stop practicing it and actively using it, it's gone. My dad's laughing back there because he knows I can't speak Spanish anymore. It's sad. I forgot. But what I found even in in College is that I would have semesters where I was not actively taking a Spanish class, but I was the Spanish tutor for my college. And so I taught it. And my Spanish grew more in teaching other people Spanish than it did in sitting in classes learning Spanish. We learn from teaching. And I think something that almost every pastor would tell you is sure there's some spiritual warfare involved in preaching and preparing for preaching, but I learn so much when I'm preparing a sermon. I learn so much when I'm prepping for a Bible study or to teach in any kind of venue about the scriptures and God's faithfulness. So we learn by teaching. And so when God or Moses says to teach your children, one, that is being passed to the next generation, and that's something we're supposed to do for the next generation, but we receive a benefit from that because it reminds us of God's faithfulness. It reminds us of his commandments. When I share my own testimony from my life is when I'm reminded of God's faithfulness in my life the most. And when I share from God's word, it's where I'm reminded of what God teaches me and tells me to do in his word the most. And so I think the final way that we can remind ourselves of God's faithfulness and remind ourselves to keep the commandments and the instructions for life that he gives us is to teach it to our children or maybe spiritual children. Disciple somebody. Mentor somebody. Walk with them through life and you'll witness God's faithfulness and you'll remember the ways that he's instructed you to live as you share those ways with somebody else. I think the third way that we see to to remember God's faithfulness and to remember what he's commanded us to do, remember how to love God with all of our heart is to teach them to our children. And then finally, we get into the third point of our scripture, that there is triumph that comes from from remembering these things. And so we'll read about the triumph that the Israelites were promised. See, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. And the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way that I'm commanding you today, to go after other gods that you have not known. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land and you are entering to take possession of it, you shall set the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Ebal. Are they not beyond the Jordan, west of the road, toward the going down of the sun in the land of the Canaanites who live in the Arabah, opposing Gilgal beside the Oak of Morah. For you are to cross over the Jordan and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And when you possess it and live in it, you shall be careful to do all the statutes and the rules that I am setting before you today. When the Israelites remember God's faithfulness, when the Israelites remember The statutes and the rules is what Moses calls them. They will experience physical triumph over those in the promised land, the land that God has given them. But what about us? Hopefully, none of us believe that we're going to experience physical triumph over our neighbors and expand our land because we've been faithful to God. So what kind of triumph are we going to experience? The first thing I think is a triumph over guilt First John, First John 2, 1 through 3 says this, My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the perpetuation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Guilt can grip us. Guilt has strong claws that can just hold us in its grasp forever if we let it. But the gospel is salvation and freedom from that guilt. When I read from, uh, I think it was Luke 14 earlier, when, jo- when Jesus says to carry your cross daily, when I hear that, it's, it's a hard phrase for me to understand. Because I think, why am I supposed to carry my cross daily? Jesus did that. And I I realized that while Jesus asks us to carry our cross daily, he never asks us to actually set the cross up and get on top of it. Carry your cross, but you never have to be nailed to it. And so I think that there is an importance in remembering our sinfulness, but also remembering that we're not accountable for it anymore anymore through the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ and his, and his death on the cross. Guilt can prevent us from godliness. In my story, I've, I've shared a little bit about my experience in college. Three years I spent running from the Lord and it all started with one poor decision. It started from one poor decision and then not understanding the gospel. Because when you make one poor decision and you don't understand the gospel, You believe that you're defined by that decision and that nothing you ever do will make you spotless or pure or clean or righteous ever again. And if you'll never be spotless, righteous or pure or clean or holy ever again, then what's the point in trying? I made a mistake and I didn't know the gospel. So I said, fine, I'm done. I'll just keep making mistakes. But the gospel saves us from that. When we remember God's faithfulness, we experience triumph over guilt from past decisions. And that's the gospel. That's the gospel that Jesus Christ came to proclaim and die for, that we are no longer accountable. We no longer are seen as being guilty of our past sins. And that is something that we eagerly need to pursue triumph over. The next one that we can triumph over is anxiety. Matthew 6 says this, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is, for the day is its own trouble. Anxiety levels that are at a whole, an all time high in our country. People are suffering and battling against mental health and struggling with that. And I understand that there are real benefits to medicine, real benefits to professionals who can help you with counseling, but there is a real benefit that comes from faith as well. A real benefit that knows that there is a God who loves me and cares about me and has more power over tomorrow than I do or anybody else around me. Anxiety can grip us, but remembering God's faithfulness and remembering his instructions for life, his instructions for life that will protect us from a lot of things, will help us to experience triumph over anxiety. Triumph over sin, and then we all triumph over death, which both come from Romans 6. Romans 6 says, what then? Are we to sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? I want that in my life. I want that in my life and it's worth fighting for. That as I remember God, and I love that Romans 6 talks about obedience. Obedience is how we become slaves to righteousness instead of sin and death. It's not just this abstract idea of faith that I believe in Jesus Christ, therefore I'll never struggle from death or sin. But obedience, remembering what he's commanded, remembering his instructions for life. That's how we experience a triumph over sin and a triumph over death in our lives. Another segment of Romans 6 says, now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. For know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We no longer have to fear the death that is a punishment of our sins. We get to live knowing that there is triumph over that death when we remember God's faithfulness and his instructions for life. We suffer from forgetfulness but God encourages us to use physical means and reminders of spiritual truths. And we, we know that remembering God's faithfulness and his commandments is what leads us to triumph in our lives, to triumph in so many areas of our lives through Christ Jesus and God's faithfulness. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on the Williamsburg Friday Men's Breakfast, please visit wcchapel.org mensbreakfast. I hope you'll join us again next week for the next installment of our journey with the Israelites through the wilderness. Until then, God bless and have a great week.